reading from Paul's first epistle to Timothy, from chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, Himself human, who gave Himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. And an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Here's an interesting statement about our current political situation that I speak, think speaks to the frustration that many Americans are experiencing today. It goes like this. As long as the Republicans and Democrats control taxpayer-funded primary elections, saying that voters have a choice in the general election is a lot like saying you can go anywhere for dinner as long as you choose McDonald's or Burger King. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? That sort of thing is causing many people to feel frustrated and, well, to be honest with you, a little mean. Some of the things that some of my friends are putting on Facebook make me want to go up to them and shake them and say, remember, you love Jesus. And there's a bit of mistrust and vicious sarcasm out there. There's open hostility and borderline hatred of the people who are running for election, almost enough to cause some people to probably recoil at Paul's suggestion that we actively, and get this, intentionally pray for them. To petition Almighty God on behalf of everyone, including the candidate we don't prefer. Paul encourages us to make requests of God on their behalf, to make intercession for them, to stand between them and harm, even give thanks for them. I know people who if I told them this applied to President Obama, they would be pretty likely to say something ugly to me. And I would regret having said it for a second until I remembered that I'm called to say it. How did Jesus say people would know us? Because we could get on our moral high, high, high horse and tell other people how horrible they are? Or because we would love one another and others? It's pretty plain to me that Paul says everyone. It's right there in the text. The word means all, everyone, all things. That word can be used to describe the largest set of things you can possibly put together. It means every last person Paul is calling us to pray for, whether we agree with them, love them, or not. It 
Paul does not excuse us from praying for those with whom we disagree. But that can be hard for us. Often we're so dug into what we believe and value that it's nearly impossible for us to see the good in praying for someone with whom we disagree. Or worse, for whom we harbor so much hate that we just can't bring ourselves to conceive of praying for them. We might pray against them, but not for them, preacher. Simply said, that's not acceptable and I'm guilty of that. I don't lay awake at night praying for the president or Congress. But Paul says I should. Paul's aim should at least suit me. It should suit you. He asks us to do these things so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and dignity. I'd sign up for that kind of life, wouldn't you? And Paul suggests that maybe we should pray for our leaders so that it's possible. Maybe even pray for those people who might be our leaders. And he doesn't say that the kings and authorities have to agree with us or be perfect in their godliness and their dignity in order for us to be concerned for them or even to merit our concern. He just says pray for them. Regardless of how they are. He says we should take it as a prime responsibility and hope for an environment where Christ can be proclaimed. A testimony given in its proper time. But we can get so attached to our ways of viewing things and our political loyalties that we can refuse to make praying for leaders of another political persuasion part of our service to Christ. But even Jesus said, love and pray for your enemies. Sometimes being so blindly committed can prevent us from doing something that otherwise makes sense. It makes sense for us to pray for our leaders, even if we don't like them. I'll give you an example. In an episode of the Andy Griffith show called The Horse Trader, the town of Mayberry is considering selling their old cannon. It's dilapidated. The paint is peeling off of it. And Sheriff Andy and Deputy Barney get together and they're talking about it. And Barney expresses his intent to vote against selling the cannon. Andy perceives that Barney simply doesn't like change, and he calls Barney on it. And Barney, Barney defensively replies, Well, lots of people are like that. I just happen to be one of them. That's all. Barney says that it upsets him when something changes, and he gives a fascinating example. He says to Andy, You remember when they put that stamp machine in the post office? That frosted me. Andy replied, that bothered you, did it? Barney said, yes, it did. I don't think it's right for the United States government to be transacting business through a slot machine. Y'all don't remember those stamp machines? That's funny. You mean put stuff in, you pull a little handle and no? Some of y'all are too young. Clyde, you remember that, don't you? (laughs) Barney said, I sat down and wrote a letter to the postmaster general about it. Andy replied, oh, you did. And Barney said emphatically, yes, I did. And then sheepishly, I didn't didn't mail it, though. And so Andy says, well, why didn't you mail it? And Barney said, well, I wouldn't buy a stamp from that machine. Listen, we laugh at that because we realize Barney's being silly, but isn't that what we're doing when we refuse to pray for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or any of the other candidates? 
Aren't we doing the same thing? Aren't we refusing to buy a stamp because of the machine it's coming from? Aren't we refusing to do what Paul has called us to do? Or even better, what God through Paul has called us to do? According to Ballotpedia, we in South Carolina had the opportunity to vote for either Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Gary Johnson, or four other candidates. I bet five people in this room couldn't name. Because I couldn't name them before I saw them on here. Anybody know them? You know why you don't know them? Because other two parties don't want you to know them. But they tell you that you're free to elect whoever you want. As long as you pull the right thing, get the right stamp, eat at McDonald's or Burger King. And we wonder, how in the world did that happen? How did we get to that point? I haven't heard five people tell me, oh, I'm really excited about voting for blank. Maybe we got to that point because the church stopped praying for our leaders. Maybe we got to that point because Christians simply stopped praying over our elections and for our government. Maybe it doesn't have a thing to do with moral decay or any of that kind of stuff. Maybe the church just failed its responsibilities. Now, we may look at those people and think about them, and or maybe all of them, and we might look at them and say, well, they're just worthless, and they exist totally outside any possibility that our Lord might use that person. And you can fill in that blank, because we're all different political persuasions here. I don't like any of them. I've been pretty plain about that. And I feel a little irritated that God wants me to pray for them. And I hope that shows. <laughs> because I'm wrong. I should be praying for each of them. I might look at them and think they're worthless, but God doesn't. That's exactly how the scribes and the Pharisees viewed the sinners and the tax collectors that were coming to Jesus last week. Remember that? And remember what Jesus did? In the Greek it suggests He hugged them. All those worthless people that we think we're better than. It's something to think about. When did it become okay for us to refuse to pray for someone just because we think they're not worthy of our prayers? Or God forbid, they don't agree with us. Once, while I was still a lay person, I was teaching a lay speaking class. I was approached at that event by a woman that I had taught before in one of those classes who said to me, well, once when I was a lay person, I taught lay speaking classes, and then I went back and taught one after I was a pastor, and she knew that I had been a lay person and was now a pastor. Does that help? Are you all with me? Yeah, it was hard to write that. Now it feels better. And she came up to me and she said, David, can I talk to you about my pastor? And I remember feeling cornered for a second because I had a feeling that she didn't want to tell me how wonderful her pastor was, you know? That she didn't want to tell me all those great things he was doing, all the great ideas he had, all the great sermons he was preaching about how much he loved his people. I really just could see in her face that I was about to hear the glorious melody of complaint. You ever heard that before? It sounds like, nah, 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 nah. And before she could say another word, I asked her, I said, can I ask you a question? And she looked at me a little dismayed because she was ready to hammer that guy. You know what I mean? Just put the beat down on him. Because I'm official now, she thought, so I could do something about it. And I looked at her, and I liked her. 
And I think she knew that, so I felt safe in asking her this. I asked her, I said, are you praying for your pastor? And you know what she said? Can you guess? No. She said no. And I looked at her and said, then whatever it is, it's your fault. Isn't that what Paul is teaching us? Pray for those who are set in authority over us so that you can live a life in peace and dignity. And if you're not living in peace and dignity, maybe you should look at yourself and ask, am I praying for those set over me? I've told you before, and it's a good time for me to tell you again, I am not perfect. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do it often. I can't even say the disciples when I preach without saying the disciples. I just did it, but, you know, trust me. It's hard. I'm going to fail you. And so I'm going to ask you now again, just like I asked you my first Sunday here, pray for me, because if you don't pray for me, you'll get the pastor you deserve. Likewise, if you don't pray for our candidates, you're going to get the president you deserve. How's that? And it may be too late. Perhaps we should have been thinking about that 40 years ago. 20 years ago. A year ago. Perhaps we should have heard Paul's call to pray for our leaders and taken it seriously. And then we wouldn't all have to stand around and say, how did we get to this point? Or as, as my father said one day, 300 million people and we came up with those two? Now, if you love one of them, I'm sorry. I'm just being honest with you because that's what I do. I don't like either one of them. But I'm committing to you today in front of you to pray for them. I'd like to tell you I'm going to commit to pray for the third party candidate, but there's no way that person's going to get elected. I'm skeptical. But I'm going to pray for him too. And I'm going to write all their names down on a piece of my paper and I'm going to pray for them. I'll have to look at Ballotpedia again to see who they are. But I'd like to see things be different. I know that I covet, I desire, I crave, I want, and I hope for your prayers. And I have other people in other congregations from around this state praying for me as I serve you as your pastor. Because I know I can't do it regardless. And I hope that our candidates have that same humility somewhere in the back of their minds that they would acknowledge that they can't serve us as their leaders, as our, as our leaders, if we're not praying for them. It all sounds kind of harsh. But it's what Paul wants from us. And I believe it's what God wants from us. And it will benefit us. If someone refuses to pray for President Obama because of his policies, his personality, or even his skin pigment, then if his leadership fails, that person shares in that responsibility of failure. That's just how it is. No one is so worthless, worthless as to justify not praying for them. Not even a politician. Perhaps... Our political leaders are those we most should be praying for. They're certainly the ones we complain about the most. No one is worthless. Not the tax collector, not the sinner, not you, not me, not Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump. All are worthy of our seeking God's graceful and merciful action on their behalf. Praying for them pleases God our Savior, Paul says. 
If you want no other reason, take that one. It pleases God when we pray for those who are set in authority. Why? Because God wants all humans to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And for that to happen, we need to live in a place where we can do that, where we can share that message by example and love. Even if it means giving our life for it. To pray for that. To pray that we might be able to live in peace and dignity. So that even those we believe to be worthless might live in peace and dignity. Even those we despise, whether they're pastor, parishioner, prince, or politician. I'm reminded of some words in an obscure, progressive, heavy metal band I love called King's X. None of y'all have heard of them, right? See, nobody has ever heard of them but me. They had this great song called Pray. And in that song, they say, If you think you're better off than me, then don't forget to pray for me. That'd be a good rule for us to leave here today. If we think we're a better person than Mrs. Clinton or Mrs. Trump, then perhaps we ought to take up the mantle of prayer and pray for them. If we think we're a better person than someone else, then perhaps we should pray so that we can realize not only our sinfulness before God, but God's desire to love everyone. For our Lord gave His life, Paul says, as a ransom to set free even those we see as unworthy and unredeemable, even those we think we're better than. When we refuse to pray for someone, we serve hate as our master. When we refuse to pray for someone, we serve hate as our master rather than Jesus Christ, who commanded us to love others as ourselves. If you've been reading the lectionary readings that are in your bulletin, then you read Luke 16 this week. And in Luke 16, Jesus said, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve hate and refuse to pray for those we disagree with and serve Christ. Either we will hate the one and love the other, or we will be devoted to the one and hate the other, Jesus said. So dear ones, let us commit to serve Christ alone. The Christ who calls us to love and even to pray for our enemies. Even those political enemies we might deem worthless. For Christ our Lord gave His life as a ransom for everyone. Whether we like them or not. Christ died for tax collectors, for sinners, for pastors, for parishioners, and even politicians. Dear ones, please pray for me. And pray for our political leaders. Pray for the leaders of our church. Pray for everyone who is set over us. Pray without prejudice. And pray in hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.